Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. I remember when I first went to high school in Harare, Zimbabwe. It was a school called Oriel Boys School. I was a little 11-year-old going to high school for the first time. And as we arrived, we had uniforms that were too big for us. Our blazers were hanging off us. Our trousers were much too big for us. Our school shoes were way too big so that my mom and dad wouldn't have to buy a new pair again too quickly. And we walked into school and there were all these huge, big 17, 18 year old boys who looked like men to us, who were the seniors of the school. And their job was to whip us into line and to make sure that as we came into the high school, we were initiated and orientated correctly and became correct members of the school with the same culture that the school had. I don't know about your high school experience. It may have been different. You may have just slipped in and nobody expected anything of you. My sons today can go to school with hair all over the place. Boy, that wasn't the case when I was at school. I loved their long hair, but when I was at school, your hair had to be very, very short. They taught us the war cry for our rugby team. They told us that every time our rugby team played, we had to be there. Doesn't matter what time of day it was, it didn't matter what else we had on, we had to be there. And we had to know the war cry. And you know what? 30 odd years later, I still know the war cry of my school. They made us memorize all the prefects' names, all the teachers' names, all the prefects' birthdays, we had to know all the history of the school. There was a test. And if we got anything wrong, we were called into the prefect's study and we were grilled until we realized we can't just waltz into this thing. We have to conform. And there was an initiation that made us Oriel boys. And so now I'm going to teach you the war cry because it's important that you know the war cry. <laughs> Have you ever wondered what is the initiation for Christianity? Have you thought about that? Can we just waltz in? Can we just everybody just come in from wherever and whoever and whatever their past is and we just hope that we all find our way? I remember when I first started working at a church for the first time and we were coming on to staff as a youth pastor. My wife and I had been married two months and we came in and the staff, there were four or five of them who were already on staff and they had a dinner for us and we had to go and have dinner with them. We thought it was just dinner, but actually what was happening was they were sharing with us the culture of the church and the working practices of the church and the way that the team related to one another because it's important that we were melded in as team members and not just as employees and we had a wonderful meal I can remember that meal clearly in my mind I can remember their love their smiling faces the words they said the way they said them the way I watched them interacting with each other and it brought me in so that I became a productive member who had the same culture as the rest of the people in the team you know when you get sworn in as a citizen of a new country I was sworn in as a citizen of Jersey and I had to go to the royal court in front of all the great and the good of Jersey and pledge allegiance 
And I was happy to do that. And most countries ask you to do that. Most countries have a flag that summarizes in one picture what they stand for. Some of the flags of the world are very strange and I wonder what on earth they stand for. But usually the, the story behind the flag has a whole lot of intricate details of what this country has been through and this symbolizes who they are. And their national anthem. But usually the national anthem summarizes who we are as a nation. But there are some strange national anthems. Did you know that? Is there anyone here who knows the national anthem of the Netherlands? Anyone here? It says, I pledge loyalty for the rest of my life to the King of Spain. <laughs> now that is unusual. There's usually a badge, a logo, there's often a, a tagline underneath the company. I remember when we lived in South Africa, I had to walk through a shopping mall early in the morning to get to my place of work, and there were a couple of clothing stores where the store would open at 9 a.m., but from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. every single day, the employees had to come and listen to a motivational talk about the values of that company and how they relate to their customers and what they do do and what they don't do and how they look and how they dress and their uniform and everything every day to make sure that they were representing the company correctly. And the logo and the strap line, you know the tagline that goes under a company's name often tries to summarize who they are. Why am I going on about this? Friends, I have a strong um, and urgent burden within me today to say that God has given us as Christians a way of coming into the Christian faith, a logo, a tagline, a picture, something that is supposed to uh, bring us in so that we understand what it is we've come into. And unfortunately, we as the Christian church over 2,000 years have so muddied and messed up and distorted that picture that most Christians do not understand what it is that we are coming into. That, that first picture, that first initiation process has been watered down and misrepresented and as a result we have missed the point. And today, after the service, we are doing some baptisms in the sea. But I've been really burdened this week. It's been a really busy week. But all through the week, the Lord has been speaking so strongly to my heart to say, tell the people the picture they should have understood when they got saved. Because there's a good chance that there are people here who have been Christians for many years, maybe decades. And that initial uh, coming into the Christian faith has not been clear. And as a result, they are not enjoying the fruits and the blessings and the benefits of Christianity. So I'm going to just go through it very quickly today. Just to give you a heads up. 
Christianity is a supernatural thing. Basically, what the message of the Bible is, is that the human race spiritually is separated from God and God had to do a miraculous rescue mission. Jesus had to become a human so that he could die as a human for our sins. And then he died and rose again. And then he poured out his spirit. And everyone who believes in what he did gets his spirit inside of them. But then we get washed of our sins. We get put into a body of believers called the church and we get filled with power so that we can just shine his light to the world now how do you summarize all of that in one picture in one song in one logo in one flag what do you do and God came up with a miraculous plan it's the most beautiful picture and it's called baptism the word baptism is a Greek word and it means to dunk to dip to submerge to immerse the word is used in other literature other than the Bible to talk about a ship sinking or a, a cloth being plunged into liquid dye. Uh, that's what it means to be completely overwhelmed by the liquid and, and filled with the liquid and covered with the liquid. That's what the word baptism means. And somehow the church has completely messed it up. So that, that word baptism now means you put a few drops of water on a baby's head. It's just so surprising to me. I don't know how we got from where it was originally supposed to be to where we are now. But the picture of baptism is so powerful because as we go under the water, the Bible says it's a picture of us dying with Christ, being washed of our sins. And as we come out of the water, it's a picture of us being resurrected to new life. And it's not just a picture. I'm going to show you today that some of the verses say that even though it is a symbol, there is something powerful spiritually that happens when we get baptized so that our Christian life is changed. And there are some verses that seem to indicate that if you can get baptized and you don't, your salvation is at risk. Now, this is shocking news. Because most of us have grown up in traditional, normal church where we just think, oh, it's just a silly ritual. Everyone gets done as a baby. It means nothing. It's unimportant. It's just a picture. If I do it, if I don't do it, it doesn't really matter. I'm going to show you how powerful this thing is. And it's going to bless us today. And then some people are going to get baptized today. And I'm praying that apart from the six who've already agreed to get baptized, we have another bunch as well. So let me start in Acts chapter 2. Um, and verse 37. So this is Peter on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has just been poured out. They've been speaking in other languages. A big crowd, thousands have gathered to say, what's going on? And Peter tells them about Jesus. And then in verse 37, it says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And verse 41. 
Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And then it goes on to talk about this church that was birthed, where they loved each other, they shared their possessions, they ate together in each other's homes, they spread the word, and God's miracle power was there. And I wonder if we don't see the, the power of the book of Acts because we don't go through the same initiation they went through. He says, repent. Have your sins washed away by being baptized. And many Christians have just wandered in and we think, oh, well, when I was a baby, it was done. And there's something powerful that we're missing. Acts chapter 8. I'm just going to rush through some of these stories to give you a picture. Acts chapter 8, Philip has been to a village in Samaria and he's preached the, the word of God to them and they believed and it's been amazing. And it says in verse 12, but when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. Verse 14, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And Simon saw that the Holy Spirit had come and he wanted to buy this ability with money. Does that sound like the initiation that you had when you became a Christian? They repented, they believed, they were baptized in water and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and something significant happened when they were filled with the Spirit. Hands were laid on them and some, something happened to show that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the war cry. That's the war cry. That's the initiation. That's the, that's the coming into Christianity that you and I are supposed to have. And the wonderful news is it's a free gift. It doesn't depend on how good you've been. Everyone in the Bible who got baptized got baptized when they had first believed. They didn't have time to be good Christians, to attend church a lot, to learn a whole lot of Bible verses. It was immediate. As soon as they responded to Christ, they were baptized in water and in the Spirit. Let's go on. Acts chapter 19, verse 2. And finding some disciples, Paul said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? I wonder if we sent out a questionnaire to all the churchgoers in the modern world and we said did you receive the holy spirit when you believed what they would say i feel like most traditional church members would say of course when you get saved you get filled with the spirit and that's not what the bible says because paul said when you believed, did you then get this power it's a second event it doesn't happen automatically and then when people wrote that back, we would say, well, what kind of baptism did you have? And they would say, well, I can't actually remember because I couldn't, I couldn't even walk yet. <laughs> Paul said to them, 
No, that was, the, that was just a precursor baptism. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus. When they heard this, verse 5, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. This is the pattern again and again and again in the New Testament. We don't see any other pattern. Somebody has said to me, there are four times in the book of Acts where it says that a person's whole household was baptized. Doesn't that mean that there would have been babies in the household and the babies would have got baptized? If it says the whole household was baptized, surely there were babies. But I want to say to you that every single time it says that a whole household was saved, except one, all three of the four times, it says they believed, they repented, they understood, and they spoke in tongues. That's, those are the signs that the whole household exhibited and they were baptized in water. Babies can't do any of those things. There weren't babies getting baptized. And then I'm going to go on to Acts 22. This is Paul the Apostle telling the story of how he got saved. And verse 16. So Ananias comes in, he prays for Paul to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul has been fasting for three days after he was knocked off his horse and he saw Jesus and he's repenting and he's sorry for his sins. And then Ananias comes in and in verse 16, Ananias says, and now why are you waiting? Arise, be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And we know that Paul had scales fall off his eyes. He got filled with the Spirit powerfully. He could do mighty works for God thereafter. But he also got baptized in water. Just going back to Acts chapter 8, there's one other story I want to read to you. And that's of the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, so Philip, the evangelist, finds this Ethiopian guy and he starts explaining the Bible to him. And in verse 36, it says, Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? You see, right in those first few moments of Philip explaining the gospel to him, he explained baptism. He only had, a, I don't know, maybe half an hour at the most to explain the gospel, but baptism was the thing. He said, have you learned the war cry? And the Ethiopian said, well, here's a big pool of water. Let's do it. Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may be baptized. Did you see that? You can't get baptized if you don't believe. You can't die to your old life before you've believed in Jesus. You can't be filled with the Spirit before you've believed in Jesus. He says, in order to get baptized, you must believe in Jesus. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. He immersed him. He plunged him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing right i want to just close with a few verses first is mark chapter 16 verse i believe it's verse 16 before i get there matthew 28 said go into all the world and make disciples baptizing them you're not allowed to baptize people if they're not already disciples 
Right, Mark 16 and verse 16. Verse 15, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe and miracles and all those things follow. And then lastly, 1 Peter 3, verse 21. He's been talking about Noah's flood. And then in verse 21, he says, there is also an antitype or a picture which now saves us. Baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Folks, this is the reason baptism is important. This verse says baptism saves us. And it says it's not just washing dirt off your body, it's your conscience being given to God. You say, God, I love you and I want to serve you. And therefore you get baptized. Now someone will say to me, what if someone can't get baptized? What about the thief on the cross? He was one of the three people who were crucified on the day that Jesus was crucified. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. He never got baptized. Yes, you can get saved without being baptized if you're nailed to a wooden cross. If I'm pushed and, and someone says to me, do you really, really need to get baptized? I will say, no, you probably can get into heaven without it. But why would you want to? You know, even Jesus, in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus goes to John the Baptist. He says, baptize me. John says, no, Lord, you're perfect. You're the one who should be baptizing me. Jesus says, let it be so to fulfill all righteousness. It must be done. Even the perfect son of God must be baptized underwater. Therefore, do it to me. And so John does it. If Jesus needed to get baptized, I do too. And then the power of the Spirit. So let me just summarize. We believe in what Jesus did on the cross. We repent and turn away from our sins. The baptism underwater is a picture of us getting washed and plunged into Jesus and Him being infilling us. And then as we come out, we are raised to new life. And then it says we receive the power of the Holy Spirit and all the gifts and the power of the Spirit comes upon us. My suspicion is that 90-something percent of the Christian world are not operating like the Bible said we should because they've never had the initiation into Christianity that the Bible says we should. And my challenge to you and to me is why wait? Let's do it today. And if you have been done as a baby and never done since, or perhaps you were done and you didn't even believe in Jesus when you were baptized. Come and get baptized and watch what God does in your life. My last point is that 1 Corinthians 10 says that baptism is like the Israelites going through the Red Sea when they fled out of Egypt. It says just as the Israelites went through the Red Sea, the Red Sea parted, they went through, and then as the soldiers, the Egyptian slave masters, tried to follow them, the seas covered over them and killed them. And we are shown clearly in Scripture that that is a picture of us coming out of the world 
and the, the devil used to whip us and make us do things. And as we go through baptism, the waters cover all those demonic assignments that were given to us and that used to whip us and make us slaves to sin and terrible habits. And the waters of baptism cover them over and we can flee from sin. Friends, don't wait. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, come up for prayer today. We'd love to pray for you. If you haven't been baptized in water, there's no pressure, but I would say, why not? Please, don't let modern cultural Christianity define for you what the Bible clearly says is important. And let's respond to God correctly. So let's pray together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that your word is so helpful and so clear to us. I pray, Lord, for myself and every single one hearing my voice today, that you would help us to hear from you and say, Lord, do you want me to respond to this? And Lord, I thank you that in the simple act of putting someone under water, something so powerful and everlasting is achieved. I pray, God, today that there would be much rejoicing in heaven because many, many new believers are coming into their birthright as Christians today. I pray, Lord, for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit's power upon every single one who gets baptized today. And I thank you, God, for your promise that stands, that as we are baptized, we are putting on Christ, we are dying with him, and we are being raised again to new life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.